Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to Boss Files. I'm Poppy Harlow. For the next several weeks, we're looking at how leaders from all around the world are making tough choices for their businesses, their customers, and their employees during the coronavirus pandemic. Today, I'm talking with Beth Ford, CEO of Minnesota-based Lando Lakes. You know them, of course, for the butter and the milk you see on the grocery store shelves across the country. So many of you, especially parents, have been asking me, is there enough food? How sound is the food supply, given all of the panic buying and those images of empty store shelves? So I wanted to have Beth on to ask her exactly that. Yeah, there's plenty of food right now, and actually farmers are still working. This is an essential industry as defined by the government, but it was actually is defined by all of us, and we know that. And what about the supply chain and delivering all of that food with cities on lockdown? And what does that mean for farmers across the heartland? Plus, being a CEO of a Fortune 500 company at home with teenage kids, we get into all of it. No, the good news is we put in a little structure for them. Hey, first thing in the morning, you got to get some physical activity, work out a little bit, do something, stretch. Um, we're trying to make them do all sorts of chores. Here's our conversation. Hi, Beth. Thanks for doing this. You're welcome, Poppy. Thanks for asking. All right. So let's just start on the very basic question. And for some background here, by the way, you CEO of Lando Lakes in Minnesota, my home state. I've known you for years and you know, I the heartland is close to my heart, certainly, and all, all these farmers and uh, f- really feeding America. So let's just talk about that. Is is there enough food, Beth, right now, even if this crisis persists, the 18 months that is being potentially projected by the federal government? Yeah, there's plenty of food right now. And actually, farmers are still working. This is an essential industry as defined by the government, but it was actually is defined by all of us. And we know that. So farmers are still working. They're in the field. We have enough supply. Milk production is strong. For instance, right now, I think that the concern um, that is voiced uh, at the moment is distribution challenges. And then over the long term, as we get back into the fields, especially on the grain side and the grower side, and then as we're in harvest in um, Florida on citrus and things that that is, is uh, labor availability. Um, you know, my, uh, my belief is that farmers always figure this out. There's some mechanization that they've leveraged not everywhere, not uh, possible everywhere, but they work through the challenges. So I want to go back to the very basic. Is food production strong? Food production is strong. Goods are moving. We see that across our portfolio. Um, uh, production is strong. And um, we, you know we believe that the industry is working hard together and with different agencies to make sure that that stays, um, stays strong. So why are we walking into the grocery store and seeing so many empty shelves? I think it's the unknown. And I believe I I heard you uh, in different other discussions, Poppy, talking about we don't know the length of time, right? We don't understand. And there's some uneven um, policies that are out there around uh, different states and locales about whether you can go out, what you can do, you know, uh, should you stay at home? Um, Now schools are closing. Um, So you, you have this unknown situation, uncharted territory, and people are going to try to get back to the basics. Do I have enough food? 
And what do I need to do to make sure I have enough supply? Because we don't know, are we going to be like in um, Silicon Valley area, you know, hold the shelter in place? Um, yes, we can come out, but only um, one or two at a time. I, so I think it's it's the unknown that is causing some of this behavior. What's going on with the farmers in the Midwest right now? How does this impact all of them? You know, um, the farmers are back in the field. I, I always think of them as the original entrepreneurs. They are resilient. Um, you know, farming is an outdoor sport. There's always variables they have to deal with. Now, milk production has been strong up a bit this year because actually at the middle of last year, they, there was a good supply demand balance. And so they started making money. You know um, that there has been consolidation occurring in dairy production. It w- was at an 8% clip. Uh, many uh, dairy farmers, small, were going out of business. Right now, we have 34,000 plus, just around 34,000 registered dairy producers in the country, 9.5 million milking cows. So milk production remains strong, fewer um, producers, and those producers are able to be more resilient in their production. They were making a little money. Now what has happened is that um, milk demand, let's say 1% to 2% goes into food service. 7% of milk goes into school lunch programs, right? Um, international shipments have slowed because there's not container availability. So dairy powders. So what's happening? Production is strong. Distribution for drinking milk, cheese, butter, you know, uh, refrigerated desserts, strong. Retail is offsetting some of this decline in food service. But it's pressuring at the farm level some of the price they get um, for their milk. It was at 19 to $20 a hundredweight um, uh, a few months ago, and now it's down to 17 because of these market pressures, the ones that I was talking about, that plus the strength of the U.S. dollar. This is not just about one sector, right? So not just about dairy production, for example, or the farmers. You mentioned at the top across sectors, like the energy sector. What are you worried about right now? What keeps you up at night on that front? Well, you know, growers, um, so corn and soybeans, you know that over the last couple of years, soybean production, which goes into animal feed, and and 60% of soybeans had been being shipped to China. Everybody was looking forward forward to the passage of USMCA and, and USMCA and the phase one deal with China. And that production and that goods would start to flow again. In the interim, of course, Brazil has um, has started pr- to produce at uh, significant levels. The wheat production in Ukraine has increased. And so those um, other countries have taken over some of our supply lanes. But still, farmers were re- really excited to get back in the field. There was an estimate that there would be like 94 million acres of corn plant. So the ethanol discussion, the energy market, what are we looking at? Well, probably about 35 to 40% of corn goes into ethanol. And ethanol is not, you know, uh, blending with ethanol in a market where the energy sector has, you know, pricing has kind of collapsed in in a variety of uh, areas and certainly in the United States means that it will be less profitable. And thus those ethanol plants, again, in rural communities, 70,000 jobs plus tied to ethanol um, production um, uh, are going to be impacted. And then the question is, is there going to be less demand for the corn and thus corn price will fall? It's at about $3.50 right now. Um, Could it get into the $2 in some? And in that situation, farmers don't make money. At $3.50 to $3.75, they may break even if they own some of their land and uh, then lease to get scale against their assets for the rest of it. 
And so it's kind of a sideways view, but you can see, you know, on the one hand, you can say, well, their diesel that they use for their, their own equipment would be lower. Yes. But the demand that they usually supply uh, support for um, ethanol will be reduced. And that plus whether goods are going to flow into um, China, Mexico, other areas could mean that grain prices um, are pressured. You know, I hadn't even, I had not even thought about that and how interconnected it all is. Okay, Beth, let's talk a little bit about your workers and being a CEO and leading a big company in the middle of all of this. You're working at home. You've got teenage kids at home. We'll get to managing that in a minute. But what's it like for you as a leader in the, in the uncharted, in the unknown? I'm sure you've got a lot of employees who are nervous, who are scared, who are working from home and trying to figure out childcare. What are you doing? Yeah, this is a very difficult time. I think most CEOs are trying to stay together and have conversations. We do that here, for instance, in Minnesota, Minneapolis Business Partners. Um, I'm part of the Business Roundtable Board. I, I, uh, we, we have conversations. What's happening? Um, you know, this is the time to be uh, over to over communicate with your team, to stay calm. Calm is contagious. To be very clear about their health and safety is primary. So we've gone to work from home for all of our headquarters staff, a couple thousand of our employees. Those who are necessary and in the field, we have very specific um, processes they have to go to go through before they come into our manufacturing um, facilities. They have to take, you know, have their temperature taken, or they take their temperature. They're, they're, um, we're, we're, I don't want to say isolating, but we're grouping different employees together, um, not um, all together, so that we have uh, fewer employees that are working together. Um, but most directly, I want to go back to this. This is an uncertain time. It is uh, disorienting for many. Many have never worked from home. They have childcare issues. They have concern and fear, and the and they're constantly watching, messaging what's happening. And um, what we try to do as, as a team is over communicate. Say, you know, get some structure um, against your work. We're still doing work. We're doing the business of the business. Um, connecting with them multiple times a day. And um, we have a hotline for H- through HR. What are your concerns? Trying to be responsive to that. Um, you know, every company every year as they start talks about you know, how aggressive we're going to be on the business. And we're still going to do that. We're doing business. But the, the priority for my management team, we meet every morning at 8 a.m. for a call. We're going through every business. What are they hearing from the staff? The priority are the people issues, talking with them, understanding their concerns, um, living our values, that this is about our community. Um, And we do the same thing with our spending a lot of time with them, talking to them about their concerns. Because remember, 96% of farms are still family owned. And so these are families um, and they have the same concerns. Their kids are out of school. They have to have uh, access to food. They are, they don't, many of them don't have technology availability, right? Um, broadband, which is something we've been talking about for a while. And so how are they going to take advantage of telemedicine and teleeducation? Um, it's an uncharted time, uh, Poppy. I think you have to go back to be a good person and understand the concern and listen and communicate. Who are you, Beth, as, as we wrap up, just a few more questions. Who are you looking at for leadership in this crisis, right? What leaders are you looking at that you think are doing a good job or who do you look to in moments like this? Cause I, I think it's a fair bet to say you never thought you'd face this when you became CEO. No, uh, I don't think any of us thought we'd ever see something like this. You know, um, I always look for, first of all, uh, the scientists, 
I look for the experts to tell us, to give us clarity as to what are the best ways we can protect our workers, our farmers, um, our members, our families. I think the, the experts that I look at um, are the ones who are putting their, their people and um, everybody first uh, as they can. And so those that are saying in um, their platforms, they're doing everything they can to, again, communicate with their teams, but also make sure that they continue to stay employed. And then thinking outside of ourselves. This is a time where many of these children who are at school, who now can't go to school, don't have a meal. They have been um, getting their breakfast and lunch at school. And um, so we're concerned about that. We're concerned about uh, food banks who also are not getting as much um, support because restaurants have closed down. And so food supply is not going necessarily in there. In those moments, beyond listening to the scientists, it is about listening to others who need more. And in my view, the farmers, um, this cooperative has at its values, at its fundamental values, and we're in, coming into our 100th anniversary. I see this across the country. They're most concerned with others. And um, I think if we all put ourselves outside ourselves for a moment and take care of those who are going to be um, in most need, um, I think that's the, the best position to be in. Of course. I'm so glad you brought that up. I think a lot about especially the food insecure kids and in this country. And we're talking to Lauren Bush, Lauren of Feed and also Feeding America United Way, all about this stuff. Um, Finally, Beth, what's it like being CEO at home with teenage kids? How's that going? (laughs) Wow. Um, You know, they're on spring break. Um, we, you know, obviously we cancel our plans, you know, two 15 year old boys. And then, uh, we have a nephew with us who's 17 and a 17 year old daughter. You know, the good news is we put in a little structure for them. Hey, first thing in the morning, you got to get some physical activity, work out a little bit, do something, stretch. Um, we're trying to make them do all sorts of chores. Um, it's a gift for me. I'm going to be honest. Um, it's hard. And I see this, um, for people who don't have childcare, my kids are in teenage years um, obviously, with my role, I travel a lot and I miss out on many critical conversations or things that I would wish I could see for my kids, how they're growing, what their thoughts are. It's in many ways for me uh, a blessing because I get to see them close up, spend time with them. And, um, and you know, that's terrific. Even when it's bumpy, even when it's funny and hilarious. You're so right. I, I, I feel the same. It's taxing, but a blessing. I roasted marshmallows on candles in the backyard with my four-year-old yesterday. That was our afternoon. So, you know, thank goodness for that time, right? Right. Thank you, Beth. We wish you guys luck and the farmers keep us posted. I will. Thanks, Poppy. If you enjoyed this episode of Boss Files, make sure to keep tuning in over the next several weeks as we talk to more business leaders about how they're coping with the uncertainty and all of the challenges presented by the coronavirus pandemic. And as always, leave us a rating. Let us know what you think on your favorite podcast app. You can always find me on social media at Poppy Harlow CNN. I'd love to hear from you about who you want to hear from. We'll be back soon with another episode of Boss Files. Thanks so much for listening. When you work, you work next level. When you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number Smart Beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.